Welcome to the Product Boss Podcast, where we help product-based businesses grow their sales and improve their strategies. Hey, everyone. I want to introduce you to my co-host and biz bestie, Mina Kunlositev, an Amazon guru that has built a multi-six-figure product-based business. In introducing the other half of the product boss, Jacqueline Snyder, she has helped launch and grow over 500 fashion apparel and accessory brands, even one of her own. And together, we share our inventory of secret weapons that will help you dig deep and do the work it takes. Are you ready? Let's build together. Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Product Boss Podcast. I'm your host, Jacqueline Snyder, with my lovely co-host, Mina Kunlo-Sita. Hey, Mina. Hey, Jacqueline. So this episode is part of our series. We are talking about the four keys to success. Before then, we do want to read a review from one of our lovely listeners um, on Apple Podcasts. So this is for Julianne at Garter Girl. She makes beautiful garters. Um, if so, if you know anyone getting married, send them her way. So this is what she wrote. It said, a must listen if you sell a product. Listening to these ladies was a game changer for my business. They give away such productive, solid advice for how to run a product business, advice that you can't find anywhere else because they have been there and done that with their own businesses. So thank you, Julianne and Garter Girl and we are so appreciative of that. So if any of you have not reviewed the podcast yet, it is really helpful and instrumental to the growth of this podcast, being able to grow our business and to get in front of other product-based businesses. So if you get a chance, press pause, scroll down, put in your review and post it. And we would hopefully love to read it for you on the podcast one day. Yes, please do that. So first, and if you guys hear noise, there's actually a thunderstorm happening. So that's why you might hear me pause for a minute. (laughs) (laughs) But first, I just want to tell you all that this podcast is brought to you by the Product Boss Program. So we are sponsoring this podcast. And we are so excited to tell you that we actually have a program for everyone that has a product-based business right now. So if you are a startup and you're still in ideation mode, all the way up to if you're a multi-six-figure to seven-figure business, we have a place for you. We tell you guys all the time, you are not alone and we don't want you to feel alone. And over the last almost two years, Mina and I have had the privilege of working with so many companies that range from startup through seven-figure product-based businesses. And we wanted to give you each a place and a group to help you get there. So if you're interested... We have a place for six to seven figures. If you are a five-figure business and your goal is to get to a six-figure business in the next 12 months, we have a group for you. If you have product in hand, which means you've gone through production and you have product that you're ready to sell, or if you have product and you've been selling, but you would really love to kick up your monthly revenue and get to a five-figure and eventually six-figure business, we have a place for you. And if you are a startup business, which means that you're in ideation mode, so you've got an idea, maybe you're in development, you're still kicking everything around, we also have a group for you. So if you're interested, we'd love for you to head over to theproductboss.com slash programs. The link is in the show notes. And we invite you to grab your spot. Welcome to everybody who has already signed up for the programs. We are so excited to have you in our groups and we can't wait to dig into your businesses with you. So our key to success, understand and embrace the role of CEO. So should we start on our major list of roles for the CEO? Absolutely. Okay. Number one is you steer the ship. I'm, 
<laughs> so we might go a little uh, captain of the ship. Yes, I am captain now. Um, I was trying to do that. Um, <laughs> I, I impression. Yeah. Yeah. Um, obviously I'm not great at them. So what does that mean? Steer the ship, be the captain. So what we, what a CEO, the role of the CEO in your business is, is that you have the, the business in mind, right? So you know, the direction you want to take your business into and you're steering the ship. So whether it's just you right now, or you have a team of five, six, 12 people underneath you, you still know the destination and you're making sure that all of the people around you are also going to that same destination. Yeah. And oftentimes the person that is steering the ship, the captain is not the one who's putting the coals on the engine. Is that how ships run these days? That is a train. Well, we're going back to steam engines. (laughs) They're not the person that is doing the engine stuff, right? They're not swabbing the deck, sort of. They're not not putting up the sails, whatever you want to use as an (laughs) example for this. They're not the person that's doing it all. Like, I mean, we're, we're, we have a crew, we have a team. Mm -hmm. We totally get, here's my disclaimer, that some of you are everything right now. That's totally fine because we all start somewhere. We've talked about Susie Fishman, Susie Weiss Fishman, who started OPI Nail Polish. It was her and a partner, but she used to package and bottle and do all the things until she didn't have to or couldn't do all the things. So the goal is, is that right now you may be doing all the things, but we want you to start thinking like the CEO, like the captain, knowing the direction you want to go into because as you grow, you are going to have to start hiring the people to swab the deck and to throw the coal into the engine. Yes. So you want to make sure you're steering in the direction that you want to be. This is obvious, but sometimes not so obvious, right? What direction do you really want to go into? So this is the importance of knowing the short term and the long term. Long term, where is your destination? Where is it ending up that you want to be? What type of business, what type of revenue, what type of lifestyle are you steering that ship towards and bringing that crew with you? So what are the goals too? It could be that if you're a startup, like um, we started a, a client in one of our startup groups and she wanted to do a whole bunch of stuff that was sort of many, many products. And she started with a single product as her launch, right? As the first mm-hmm. thing she started with. Now her goal, her vision, her as the captain of her business, she knows the long-term how many products she wants to have. Did she do it to start? No. Is she going to build onto her business? Yes. And as she, she knows the destination, she knows what she wants to do and what she wants to add and she will get there. She just didn't have to do it all at the exact same time. Right. Her place on the map is going to evolve. She's going to progress closer to her destination. Her crew is also going to change where she might have to hire on different people to do different things, which leads us into number two role of the CEO, which is so important. And that is to oversee all the crew in your business. So your role as a CEO of your business is that you you know the destination, right? You guys know the goals of the business. You know your mission, vision, and values. And you're making sure that the, the team that you've hired, whether it is one assistant, a VA, whether it is your nephew that you've hired for the summer, whatever it ends up or whoever it ends up being, you know what the goal is and you have to oversee them. If we're talking really big corporations, eventually there's managers in the way. Right now we're talking about a small a smaller business. And so you're probably going to stay pretty close to, you know, overseeing all of these roles to start. The thing is, is that you're not going to be doing 
forever in your business. You might be doing everything right now, but there will be a time where as your revenue changes, you're going to shift what you do and what you outsource to others. And at that point, that's going to be the place where you actually have to, you have to start to manage and oversee what they're doing. Right. Um, Every person on your crew should know that one of their jobs is to protect the time of the CEO. So as you're hiring people or firing people, that's a big decision in the overseeing. You have to basically know who to hire and who to fire. Um, You're not the one who's doing the customer service emails, for instance. You're getting somebody to protect your time and honestly, your energy, because a lot of times CEOs will have a buffer between them. They have somebody else answering those emails because it takes a lot for you to go through those customer service emails one by one and to deliver on them the way that you want them delivered and steer the ship at the same time, right? Right. So protecting your time is a is a really big deal. And I feel like a lot of people start to edge into that if they're able to hire a VA or they're able to hire someone that's hiring them with packing and shipping, right? That's protecting your time where you don't need to deal with returns eventually or those customer service emails, especially because it's so personal to you. That might be something you do need that buffer in between. So you're not getting like the bad reviews and and feeling crappy about them because somebody decided that they wanted to say something. You want that person then come to you and say, hey, consistently we've been getting emails that this is popping up. Maybe there's a quality control issue and they can tell you not just because someone woke up on the wrong side of the bed and was pissed that their packaging was bent or damaged. Yeah, for sure. I mean, sometimes people go trolling for complaining on the internet, you know, and you don't want those to become the first thing you see in the morning. Um, As Jacqueline likes to say, you are not the doer, you are the overseer of all the doers. So this doesn't make it any, like the doers are fantastic too. You just oversee what the end result is and where you're headed. So depending on the type of business you have, some of you, we watch on Instagram, like you're pouring your own candles and you are the doer currently, right? Mm -hmm. And some of you are making your own soaps, um, but others of you can't physically make the product you're making and you have to hire a company like a contractor to make a plastic mold of something or whatever it is. Some of you are making and some of you are not. No matter what, if you're not making, you're already sort of doing this. You're overseeing a contractor or a manufacturer for yourself. If you are doing, maybe you're overseeing the people who are sending you stickers, but you're still pouring candles. So the question then is, is is that something that you could turn into a role for someone to do for you? Do you need to be pouring all of your candles? Or can you hire someone two, three hours a week or whatever you think your production time is taking, you train them and they're the one who comes. It could be someone who comes later in the day, you know, maybe it's a mom or maybe they're coming during the school day, uh, school hours and they're pouring the candles for you. You don't have to do it all. And I want to take away the fact that a lot of you, especially the makers, especially people on Etsy, feel that if they're not physically making their product, they're selling out. Not true. Okay. I just want to say that again. Not true. Your stuff is still made. It is still handmade. But if you're going to grow your business, eventually you cannot be the person who's physically making everything. Right. And those people that are pouring those candles are pouring based off the ideas that you made in your head, your recipes, your um, vision for that brand of candles. You know, is it soy candles? Is it 100% eco friendly? Whatever it is, what types of jars, what aesthetic? Those are things that you made in your mind and they are simply pouring a candle based on what you made an idea off of. 
Right. And so that would lead us into number three, which is the CEO of the business sets the culture. So you guys, if you work with us, we talk about, you know, figuring out your mission and your vision and your values of your business. So what is, what's that foundational part of your business? And so knowing, let's say what the values are of your business, you set a culture for your business that that everyone should uphold. So if you're outsourcing and hiring someone to design your website, if it's you, if you have a VA to the person who's dealing with your UPS shipping guy, if you have a certain values to your business, you set that, you set the culture, you actually represent it in your actions and how you show up for your team, how you show up to the public, how you show up to your customers, um, and everything else follows that. What do you want to represent and what do you want your team to represent? It could be that you're really laid back, easygoing culture within the, the company and you guys all interact as friends. It could be more where even for the podcast, Jacqueline and I work hard to keep this a clean podcast that can be played in front of moms that might be in front of children. <laughs> I don't know. You know, is it um, where people, like if they showed up, they could be wearing jeans. So even thinking about visually what type of culture you want to set. If you are hiring somebody on as your crew on a ship, you take your binoculars, which you see through the long vision, right? The direction you're going and you give the binoculars to that person you're hiring and you say, that's where we're headed. And they're following you acting in the same way that you are. I laugh when you say jeans because I turned down a second interview with St. John Knits, which is like a really big fashion brand uh-huh. because you could only wear jeans once a month on Fridays. <laughs> and you wanted to wear them less or more? More. I was like, this is a fashion business. Like you're, you should be able to wear fashionable clothes, like whatever was your expression. And I was just out of college uh-huh. and I was like, heck no, I'm not working somewhere. Like I, I was in Southern California, you know? Mm-hmm. And then I remember my first job was at Cosabella in Miami, which was an Italian lingerie company. And I went to Banana Republic and bought all the things I thought I needed because I had had that experience. Like I needed to look like a professional businesswoman. And then I show up there and they're in flip-flops, jeans, cutoffs, because <laughs> it was like beach culture. Um, and so I think... And, and it was a family culture too, because it was a family that owned it. Like their kids eventually took over the business. So it was very much set that way, um, that family was important, that they understood things with families. So I think, it, you know, yes, for small businesses, but it's things, it's the small things you make decisions about. Like, is family important to you? Is your, are your customers' families important? Are your people who work for you, are their families important? I mean, I think people are going to say yes, but how so? Like, how is that brought into culture. Again, we talked about Pura Vida, but they're a very good example. If you follow them on Instagram or you follow Jared Mayer of Pura Vida, because he shows you behind the scenes of like one of the founders, um, because he was part of the original crew that put it up, uh, you'll see like the behind the scenes, like their new offices have, I don't know, it was like a ping pong table or a pool table, fun and game. So we can imagine our brain, in our brains, if our company were to get big enough and it had its own office and a team, what would you want to be a part of that culture that people are experiencing? And then Susie Weiss Fishman, she always had the culture of bringing in people with their opinions, right? Open door policy. Um, and very much was like a family culture. Um, I actually worked for a mom and pop shop and they were a very much family culture, but they were super Catholic open door, but you always knew the underlying culture. Don't go through that open door unless it's something they want to hear within that culture of Catholic family, for instance. So that's what you're presenting. 
to people is kind of that culture of building without even saying it, where they know kind of the level of tolerance that's allowed. <laughs> that's, you know, in within that culture. I just got off a call this morning with a mastermind that I'm a part of. And one of the women, one of her hot seat today was um, hiring. So she's she's the CEO of a really big business, um, like a seven figure business. And she keeps hiring. She feels like the wrong people. And she hired this person and it's been two months of training and the person is just not showing up for her the way she wants. Like she's making, she's still asking her the small decisions. Like, should I buy this app? She's like, I gave you a budget. You can buy the app. Don't ask me about the app. Now these again are higher level things that if you are a six and seven figure business, like you might already be experiencing this. And it was like wanting that person who could just take things off her plate. Because I think as a CEO, eventually when you fully find your way there in your business, you then need people to take things off your plate, to offload it. Right now, as you guys are building your businesses, you're putting more and more on your plate, but you're learning and eventually you want to take it off. Now she was, she's like, she started faulting herself and saying, well, it's me. And if I hire someone else, I'm just going to be another pain to somebody else. And my advice to her as like part of her mastermind group was she's always going to be her and it's fine to always be her. She owns her own business. And of course she can learn and adjust to like what she's learning from working with other people, but she needs to find someone who fits her puzzle, right? Like her puzzle piece. There are enough people out there in the world that are going to fit what you need. And so her culture is, she takes like government contracts. She does need to be a little bit more stern and official. Mm -hmm. That's okay. That's her business and that's her culture. And she can hire within that, but she also keeps those values very clear for her people. Her person, that woman that she hired, wasn't clear on the fact that one of her jobs is to protect the CEO's time. You know, so she shouldn't have cluttered up the decision making with, hey, should I buy this app? But the goal is though, is that it doesn't, I just want to take it off your plates and say, if you guys want to be, um, you know, Devil Wears Prada type boss, you could be <laughs> Devil Wears Prada type boss. And that could be the culture where a Perrier needs to be on your desk when you say that Perry, oh right? Yeah. It's what is that room since, you know, James is in Broadway. Does he get that list of things in his dressing room? What is that called? White M&Ms. <laughs> yes. There's a list, right? But it's basically, and a lot of times they throw that in just side note to make sure people are like reading the details of a contract or okay. you could be super particular. <laughs> um, but, and I, and I'm forgetting what it's called right now, but, um, yeah, there's these things, but it's okay, guys. Like it's okay. And I said to her, I said to her too, I used to work for a celebrity that had very particular ways of things happening and we wanted our job. And so we did what the celebrity wanted us to do. So I think it, I, the culture is the culture you mm-hmm. decide and you can change it when you need to, but you know, it's, it's, I, when I decided to start my own business, <laughs> I did it because I wanted to choose who I got to work with. I wanted to pick the right clients that I liked and loved. And I wanted to employ people that I liked and I loved. I did not want to live in like a competitive nature anymore. I didn't want people throwing each other under the bus. I did not like any of that. That was not for me. And so my goal was always that I had joy in my business and that we created joy and that we had fun and we celebrated birthdays. Um, always when I had my team, we would I would take them out to lunch, you know, for birthdays and they were allowed to get drinks during the day. Um, we had like holiday parties that were fun and like team building. There's just some simple things you can do when you have a physical team. Meanwhile, if you don't have the physical team, it might be that you send certain thank yous to people or it's even just in the way that you're speaking. Or do you speak with humor? Are you serious? What comes naturally to you? 
So next is number four is you are the one as the CEO of your business that's going to make the decisions and they're good decisions in order to grow and flourish. So what that means is that you're going to make these overall decisions that are going to set the path for your business. Remember, you're the captain, you know, the destination, you're steering the ship. And some of these big decisions are, you know, I'm going to go into, maybe there's a storm up ahead. Um, There's an iceberg. Iceberg ahead. (laughs) All hands on deck. The captain though is the one who says, there's an iceberg ahead and hopefully you're not the Titanic that, you know, this is what you need to do to avoid that. And so those decisions you make. And so, so the bigger decisions, the high level decisions you're going to make are things like legal decisions, financial decisions, and also creative decisions. And those are going to come back to you as a C, as the CEO in that role as the CEO of your business. Yeah. You're really taking ownership of those big decisions and standing behind them. If you decide to move forward, you know, there's an iceberg, but you want to be ahead of schedule and the Titanic ship sunk. (laughs) Yeah. Then that's on you, captain. But at the same time, if you made ahead of schedule and everybody celebrates and it's wonderful, that's also something to celebrate. So we don't, we can't, none of us can tell the future, obviously, of what's going to happen with our businesses, but it's up to you to make the best decision that you can, no matter what, even if it, you end up in the wrong direction, you can always pivot. That's the nice thing about having a small ship is that you can pivot pretty quickly. Yeah. And I think even if you think it's a good decision and it's a bad decision and something happens, when you made it yourself, we don't, you know, people are always going to give you their opinions. If you hire sales reps, they're going to tell you to do this, that, and the other, and it's going to have to come back to you where you think, is this the direction I want my business going in? Does it align with the values of my business? Like, does it work for the type of team that I have? Um, and that decision's made. If something goes wrong, you'll fix it. There are so many mm-hmm. opportunities in our life that things have gone wrong or not according to plan or bad things have happened and you picked yourself up and you've moved forward from that. You've learned like, like uh, Mina says, mistakes are just data. You could make a mistake. You shouldn't do it again if you learn from it. Right. Or you actually should improve it and make a better decision. Mm -hmm. So we're going to get off the ship now and call number five. (laughs) The role of a CEO is performance. So you're evaluating the performance of your business and evaluating your KPIs, which is your, which are your key performance indicators. So this is where I like to get off the ship and I am now on an Island, maybe in a hammock under some trees, sipping a cocktail. Mm -hmm. Cocktail for you. Cocktail currently after my surgery. Um, and which I had a delicious one last night as a total aside, but we'll go back (laughs) to that another time. And where you're able to get information that you need from your team, whoever it is, one person, 12 people, however many people are part of your team, you get information that helps you understand the performance and the health of your business. Um, By you being a part of your business and doing all the things to start as you grow your business allows you to know the things that you need to know, right? Yeah. For sure. And, you know, when you're getting that information from your crew, let's say it's sheets of paper based on performance, you know what sheets hold the most weight. So if it means adjusting the sales because um, a particular KPI is needing adjusting, for instance, for me, if it's something with Amazon, it probably holds more weight than my Etsy sales for instance, and I need to adjust accordingly because I, as the captain and as the CEO, know that that holds more weight. 
And some of you might say, well, I'm new to business. And so I don't really have my KPIs, right? Because you can't look back a year from now and say, this is how I was doing in July of last year. And this is how I'm doing in July of this year. Totally get it. And sometimes it's really hard to go month over month because some months are be- some months are just progressionally better because your business is growing. Some months might take a major dip because it's not what people are buying. So you're gonna your key performance indicators, at least in terms of revenue and sales, are gonna adjust and change as you grow. But there's little things you can monitor, like what products are selling the best, what's not moving. You know, you get five sales a month take a look at what people are buying. You know, those are small ones you can look at. If you're sending out emails and people are unsubscribing or you're doing certain things on social media to try and get new followers. So if you're tracking your performance and it doesn't matter where you're at, whether you have history to look back on or if you're new, start to track it so that you do have something to pay attention to. So you're looking at your numbers and you ultimately want your numbers to be growing no matter what you do, especially in the beginning phases, or that you can reference back and just know this was a slow month for me last year, or this is, and it's a slow month again this year. I shouldn't freak out. My business isn't failing. It just is what it is. Yes. And I want to kind of go back to the picture that um, Jacqueline had presented at the beginning of number five, and that was getting off the ship and sitting on a beach with a mocktail in a hammock underneath the palm trees, right? A lot of these things where you're looking at the performance, they usually are, if it's a true role of the CEO, is to step back from it and make those decisions because you are evaluating and um, and not doing at that point. Yeah. So we have a client right now that is a multi-six-figure business and she has recently stepped out of doing everything. So she used to make her product. She just had an assistant. She used to make all of her product and she had one kind of assistant contractor that did overflow. Well, by working in our masterminds with us, we were able to, to advise her and suggest to her that she doesn't need to be making them anymore give more responsibility to the contractor to make more of it where she should maybe be the overflow, not the, not the, like the one who does it all. But now she's actually hired two contractors to handle her production. And recently she took a vacation where she was on vacation and her assistant handled the orders coming in, the orders going out and making sure that the contractors are making all of the products she was supposed to make. So that right there is just an example of one team member overseeing it all and having two outside contractors producing it. She was able to sit on the beach and have her cocktail and know that her business was running without her. Right. So number six, you need to make sure that you are still the face of the company, the person that shows up for those really big meetings or makes the big connections because she is the CEO. Right. So whether it's talking to influencers and starting that out, whether it's meeting with um, buyers at stores, whatever it is, or, or meeting with the lawyer or your financial person, she is still the face of it. And turns out she's also the face of her brand. So she's very much a part of her brand. I know you guys are all sort of probably like going back and forth between whether you want to be the face of your company or not in terms of, you know, forward facing social media to customers. But as the face of your company, you are that person the same way that, you know, what I was forget his name from Apple, Steve Jobs. (laughs) (laughs) Steve Jobs was the face. 
right? Uh And people expected, Steve Steve Jobs did not do all the things in the business, but he was the face and he was the visionary for it. And so you are that person, you're that face, you're the one that they expect to be at the meetings of all meetings, right? You're at the most important meetings because you are the one that makes the decisions for your business, the direction of the ship, making sure that everything is always going in the direction of the destination you foresee for your business. Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure that Jeff Bezos doesn't do customer service at Amazon. That would be amazing. (laughs) You get that email. Um, But he does write the shareholders, for instance. He's the one who writes that letter and well, he at least signs off on it, right? He puts his voice to it. So even if it's written by like a copywriter for him, he puts his voice to it and makes it his own. He's the one that pulls the final decision on that shareholder letter. So he's really the face of the company that's stepping up and owning his decisions and also steering the ship in the direction that he wants the company to go. So if this, if your shareholder meetings, are you at the dinner table with your spouse? That's where it is to start, where you're telling them, you know what, this is where I want the company to go. These are my goals. This is what I need to do to make it happen. This is how I'm going to get there. And you're the one showing up and saying that, right? So if that's the biggest meeting that you have this week, that's fine. And then as you grow your business, I want you all to just know like in your heart that you will grow your business and that you will start to hire and offload some of the stuff. But what can you do right now to make sure that you set those destinations, that you are steering the ship? Be very clear about where you want to go with it right now. Be clear with what you are doing, what the rules are. Start to identify everything you do, right? So if you are doing everything, Write that all down and then start to question yourself and say, what can I stop doing and outsource to someone else? Or when I hit a certain financial goal, what can I then, what is the first thing I need to offload my plate? Because my time is better spent doing X, Y, Z, right? Yeah. That's why we said that the title of this episode is understanding and embracing the role of the CEO. Because a lot of the times as you grow, you will become your own bottleneck. And you do not want to be the bottleneck of your own company because you're trying to do all the things all at once. All at once. So some of you are in the place that you understand that now is the time as the CEO of your business, you need to buy back your time. Again, those are for our multi-six-figure, seven-figure businesses that are listening. You at this point are at the place where you need to start to buy back your time. You need to start delegating and taking things off your plate so your business can continue to grow and you can get that time back that probably when you started your business, you wanted to own your time. And then those of you that are in it, that are growing, that are really having to put in those hours and stay up late or get up early, it's okay. It's not forever. You're going to do it. You're going to go through it. And then as you're listening to this podcast, you're going to start tracking these things. And as soon as you're able to start offloading some stuff, you will, because that's going to be the point where your business grows even more so. That's where you're going to double down on it. You start making more money. And then you're going to need more help and you're going to get that help and your business is going to make more money. And it's not going to feel like this crazy spend or investment that right now you feel is, is hard for you to invest in. Yeah. But you need to be able to see it kind of like the setting of the culture, right? Sometimes we end up in that culture and we're like, how did this happen? And how did I get here? But if you really understand the role of CEO and know that's where you eventually want to be is as the CEO and you kind of have to be because you are the one that's making all the decisions right now, then um, you want to be able to grow into, you want to create what you want to grow into. 
right now. Right, right. And I think that happens, you know, in our masterminds and our group coaching and like watching what they've all done is they were able to kind of tell us like, this is what I want to do. And I think having this group around them say, well, what challenging those questions, like, do you need to be doing that? Can you do it a smarter way? Can you give this to someone? Because I feel like that thing that people bring up so often is like, I can't afford it right? Mm -hmm. Um, I can't afford a coach to tell me what to do. I can't afford to join a mastermind. Like I can't afford to hire someone. Is that true? And I know that we've, we've all saved up for stuff. Like we've had people save up to join the masterminds or save up to buy our courses. I've saved up to make investments into my business. And I think that's the biggest thing. Initially, when you feel like you can't afford it, flip it and think, this is actually an investment into my business and into my future. And we talked about it in the last episode. Like you can't do this alone. I mean, you can do it alone, but to really grow it, nobody's going at this alone. You need the people swabbing the deck and putting up the sales and throwing the coal in. And how do you get there? And how do you know who's your first hire? You can make those decisions yourself if you're fortunate enough to have a business partner or your spouse is involved. But so many of us don't have that. So what do you do next? Yeah. A lot of times if you don't have those people around you, let's say a mastermind or you don't have a coach that you can bounce this idea off of, like that woman that's in your mastermind, she'll probably, you know, in a different case, keep that person on and have to spend money on someone who's not a great employee. Mm -hmm. And whereas it might take somebody outside of herself giving her permission to let that person go or shift her into a more suitable position. And reminding her that she is the captain. So the only ship that's going to sink is her own ship. These people are going to leave and get other jobs. So if she doesn't make sure that her business is doing what it needs to do, then it's her business. It's her livelihood that's going to go down with it. So so that encouragement, I think, and just having people be like, you're going to be okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. And that sometimes is the biggest thing, just being told like everything's going to be okay. Right. And it is. It really is. And it's an incredible journey. Being a captain is very hard. It's very rewarding. And then you have maybe little children playing down underneath in the ship, you know? So it feels like a lot of pressure, but at the same time, like the possibilities and the opportunity are the best that they've ever been for the women that are out there right now. And so this is another quote that we had posted on our Instagram that we got a lot of response to. So it's kind of a good wrap up to this being the CEO of your business. So you have as many hours in the day as Beyonce. So that is true. We all have 24 hours, but Beyonce has help guys, right? And that's what we're saying to you. Like Beyonce does not put on her makeup and her put her outfits together and choreograph and light her own stage and do all the things. She has her people mm-hmm. to help her get there. And she had her people to start. She had Destiny's Child to start. She had her dad to start and her mom. And then she grew into what she is now. So um, I think it's just, it's a good example of like, you can do it all. But let's pull back the curtain and realize that nobody's doing all of this by themselves. No one that you're looking up to is completely independently alone and doing all of them. They are operating as the CEO of their business. That's why we're here for you all. You are not alone. We are here for you. And um, we want to be here to continue to help you feel like you're part of a community that you're growing this business that will thrive and sustain you and be the things that bring you joy in your life. Thanks, everyone. This episode is over, but it doesn't have to end. Head over to our Facebook group, search for the Product Boss Biz Community, 
or the link is also in the show notes. Come connect with other product bosses just like you. We'll see you in there. If you love the Product Boss Podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe, share, rate, and give a review on iTunes. Until next time, Product Bosses, let's make it happen.